I'm here with Shunan Tang from Tea Drunk, which is really one of the most special places in New York City. Uh, it has it has an extra like affinity for me because it's on Seventh Street and Avenue A, which is like my heart. So that's where my favorite bar of all time is, and where now Miss Lily's is, which replaced a diner that I used to go to that I didn't like at all. Seven A. It was a terrible diner, but we used to go all the time. <laughs> Ray's Candy Shop is there, which is, I mean, yeah. if I if I love anything, I love Ray and his Belgian fries, his fried Oreos. I mean, he is just if like when I take people, when people are New York. Oh, wow. I didn't even, Shinan, I didn't even think I was going to go here like in my head, but like the last Anthony Bourdain episode. Oh my God. I don't know. Did you ever watch that? The final one? The, which one? So the final Anthony Bourdain episode, he visits Ray's Candy Shop. It's beautiful. I cried because he talks about, you know, he had, he, he, spent time in the East Village when it was different and then and and he goes there to your street right. at the end and 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 he visits Ray and it's like and you know he he says something that like we've been saying for years of just like we have to preserve Ray's kid shop and uh so right around the corner is tea drunk and I've spent a lot of time there and more time late at night at cabin and eating Belgian fries and fried Oreos from Ray. But yes, fried Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have such a one it's so it's so amazing. And then you have big gay ice cream right next door. It's such a wonderful place. It's like all of my favorite things. I'm so happy you're there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm super, super proud of Seventh Street. Um it's truly uh small business owned and um a lot of everything, the- yeah. Yes, exactly. And you can, uh, I would say, uh, every one, uh, every single store and uh, restaurant and bar represents some vision, um, you know, of a small business owner and it, everybody's just so passionate about what they do. I'm, and I do think everybody is kind of okay. like one of the best in their fields too. And so I'm super, super proud of the, the street. It's all like highlights. Like everything there is really good. It, there's no, like the sushi places down the street, the Indian restaurants down the street, like everything is really, really good. There's a vegan place that's new-ish that's right down the street that's great. Like it's all really, really good shit. Uh, totally. and, there's, and there's a matcha place two blocks away also. Setsu- yes, yes, that's a good yes. Yeah, who have like the only grinder in like actual tent grinding tensha leaves, um, yes. which is- And they have a tatami as a waiting area, so I don't think- really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so, so you just spend all your time. What, what, how did you come to 7th Street and Avenue A? Um, to be honest, when I uh, decided to be on 7th Street, uh, I wasn't thinking so much about uh, just 7th Street. It was more about uh, the general neighborhood. I was thinking okay. or Lower East Side. Uh, also keep in mind, when I first opened the store, I was like, not 30 yet. So I was like, Wow, what I didn't realize that. Good for you. What year did you open? I'm sorry? What year did you open? Uh, we opened in 2013. 
so I was I was younger and I was like uh like all the places all the cool places I know are a little bit alcohol oriented uh so my, my targeted neighborhoods were just uh East Village and East Side where I hang out a lot and uh but I didn't want to be um like St. Mark's because there are a lot of bars and I did notice that there are a lot of restaurants on 7th Street um, but it was also a combination of the, uh, the the shape of the space, how easy it is to work with, things like that. Right. Um, a lot of the buildings in East Village and Lower East Side are all uh, landmark buildings, which means they're old and um, and there some kind of infrastructure flaws, and there are very little you can do about it. Because there are landmark buildings; you're not allowed to make certain changes. So the the, the space needs to like uh, be at a certain uh, uh, kind of status that I that I don't have to worry so much after I have the space. So so it was a combination of all those. And I have a look at I I look for like eight months. So uh, so I feel like we are lucky that eventually picked this spot. And after uh, we moved in, a lot of our neighbors stop by, say hi, and I get to learn a little bit more about what they do. And and I just like felt so lucky that I. <laughs> uh, somehow like moved into such a such a unique uh and amazing neighborhood it, it really is it's probably i've said for years like like you you became like a bonus on top like it was already one of my favorite blocks in the world and then you came in like oh. <laughs> which was just like you know it, it makes it that much better it, it makes it a place that i don't just hang out at night and I can go in the afternoon, which may, oh, and, and, and milk bar is there. Like, it's just, we, we got yes. so much. It's right. Totally. Yeah. And then yeah. across the street, we have a mochi place and some like a sweet bites place and uh, cupcakes, yeah, great cupcakes. cupcakes. Uh, yeah. So much. Yes. Yeah, like the beef noodles. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. And it's cool that, that it, there's balance now with, with the tea practice i think you know if you look back even myself in 2013 i was less i i'm i'd say 2014 i got better at tea but you know 2013 i was i was a late tea drinker in my life i i told this story yesterday actually about how i had a a weird um I don't know what it would be called, but like a, like a reaction to hot stuff on my lips. When I was young, I had an experience where I drank hot chocolate and later that day got sick when I was, when I was a child and associated it. So I had like a reflex against that for years. Um, and then when I was introduced to tea later as, you know, an adult, I was introduced to bad tea, like English kind of stuff. And I didn't get into it and it wasn't until you just it's 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 junk you know and then it wasn't until later that I got exposure to Asian tea um actually through Korean tea houses strangely which which like I don't really go to now that I really like now that I know my stuff but it was Korean uh Francia on 35th and Park oh yes yes yeah I just lived right there so Yes. Yeah, so seeing their menu, I had been drinking like okay tea for a while. I had been like 
like a couple of years. Like I had been exposed to like, oh, tea is an Asian thing, not an English thing that I was aware of, but like I was still, you know, not drinking, like I was still buying it from stores, you know, um, right. and not knowing like, I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't across the line yet. And then I remember going to that shop and looking at the menu and it says first picking, second picking, third picking of their green tea harvest. And that sort of was a, wait a second, what does that mean? Wait, so different leaves at different times makes different tea. Okay, that's a whole world. And that was like the beginning of my immersion. Uh, but that would have been in you know 2012 2013 and then i moved to los angeles in 2014 so i didn't come to your shop until like probably 2016 i would guess because i didn't i was like not in new york at all until 2017 so i think i came to your shop oh you know what i was a customer i was your i was a tea club customer before coming to your shop i was a monthly i have I still have your tea in my Los Angeles storage unit. Oh, you didn't drink it? <laughs> I didn't drink all of it. No, I got too much. That was why I ended up, I, so I, I loved, so I went overboard at one point when I was in LA and I just subscribed to like, your, I, I had like so much tea coming every month. You, it, I'll, like I'll take a picture whenever I go out there again, but I still have my storage unit in LA that's been sitting there for a while and I have all this tea in there I think I drank all the fresh stuff, but like all the aged stuff I, I could leave there. And it's sitting in, I have this like huge box of tea that I just accumulated. Cause when I, once I sort of like realized that there's this whole world, I just dove in and then it's like, oh, I want to get all the aged Shangpur. Oh, I want to get all the aged Shopur. Oh, I want to find, oh, there's aged white tea also. Oh, you could do that in a cake. Like, like I just... I just went, I just got everything. And then I, you know, you can only drink so much. So yeah, so I would be accumulating. And then it was like, oh, the cliff teas and you have all these great, like, oh, the, the monkeys are picking these leaves and stuff. And it was just, I just went off and like, so I still have, um, and then I left Los Angeles in 2017 and I've not really been in that storage unit much since then, which is ridiculous. Oh. But, um, but you live in Mexico now? I'm not really living anywhere given like the state of the world. I literally this morning was like sending friends to my house in New York. I have, I've had a place on 15th street for okay. a few years now, but I haven't been there all year. I've been there for 10 days this year um, and I'm getting rid of it. My lease is over and I'm not renewing. They, I'm just, I'm just like transparent to them. I'm just like, yo, I can't come back because the world is like not okay. So I'll, you know, I'll move out when, when, when it's safe to come back. I don't know what that is, September, October. Um, but yeah, so I was just in Mexico working yeah. remotely and this all went down. And then I was just like, I'm clearly not leaving. Like, the, you know, I'm, I'm on the, I'm talking to you. I just, my hair is wet from the ocean. Like, oh, that's so, so nice. yeah, I mean, this is what I'm looking at right now like oh my god <laughs> yeah you know i grew up um by the ocean and i kind of like oh, cool like, I, I like that kind of scenery like where you see the beach and then like a tiny island that where you can you can see that that's that's my memory and <laughs> where did you grow up um my hometown is a city called Dalian. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, which is a coastal city in northeast China. And um, I mean, we're we're known for a few things, and one of them is tourism because it's um, <laughs> yeah, it's one of the 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 it's probably the warmest beach in uh, the the very cold area in northeast China. So how warm does it get? Uh, well, in the summer, it still reached about 30 degrees Celsius, which I actually do not know <laughs> what is in Fahrenheit. I got I think, that's like, I think that's like 90. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, but in the winter, it's very cold. Uh, but it's still like not as cold as the other area in the, in the same region, mm-hmm. uh, because we're right by the water. And the, uh, the beach is, uh, depends on, because it kind of borders two seas, so it depends on which site you go to, the, the beach is a little bit different. Um, I actually really like the, the pebble beach that we have, and it cool. has a, uh, also like this very cliffy scenery. Uh, actually, when I see pictures of Nova Scotia, it looks kind of like that. It's like huge tide as well. So when the, uh, when the water uh, retreats, it just reviews all these uh, um, reefs and, and rocks and stuff. And uh, but anyway, like we also have a lot of uh, like islands. Uh, when you wow. come from the other side of the city, it's actually less than 15 minutes to go to the beach from any part of the main city. Um, I love that. I got to visit. Yeah, it's on the tip of peninsula. I love it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different kind of ocean. I don't know. The water is also not blue. It's more like a dark green, maybe because the salt content is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good for my skin. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> Actually, later uh, in my grown-up life, I heard a lot of Chinese people telling me when they uh, went to Italian for, for vacation, they realized that they, they are able to swim much easier, like they're better swimmers. Oh, they <laughs> lift, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, but that, the, the, the beach that's the closest to my house uh, that I go to the most often, uh, it has all these islands that you can see right from the beach. And I remember when I was little, I used to just sit on the beach and look at these islands in my mind to just, and somewhere yeah. else, um, yeah, just like, it just, you just think about the world and, you know, that's also Asia where I read a lot of like adventurous stories and uh, <laughs> fantasy well, that's what i'm doing now yeah i'm right. sitting here <laughs> staring out at this and uh and reading you know i've been reading some books that i had like sort of had on my list for a long time and yeah i know it's, it's, it's just nice. it's a very romantic thing <laughs> yes yeah. yeah i'm not i haven't felt um you know lonely or anxious because it's just so so lovely like like just my situation it's so nice that I'm not really like the way that I see it thankfully this happened when I'm like I'm 35 now so I think if I were 25 I might be upset because I wanted like when I was 25 I wanted to be out in the world I want to be doing stuff right now sure like I do want to be out in the world but I don't need it I'm fine you know I'm like check those boxes I'm good waking up at sunrise every day and swimming and then like drinking good tea that I can still get shipped here, which is a miracle um, is like, you know, and eating amazing Mexican food. Like oh, that's the best. it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So when did yeah. you come to New York? Um, I came to New York in, uh, it's like end of the year 2009. Okay. So and what, like, what brought you? 
Um, well, honestly, I just really wanted to come to New York. I mean, I, I've always wanted to uh, go to New York, um, even when I was a teenager. And uh, at the time, I guess, you know, I'm the, I'm the only child and I'm a girl. So like Chinese parents like, oh, no, don't go to New York. I think uh, <laughs> my parents' mind at the time still think New York was like, I don't know, in the 70s or something, where it's just like not a safe place for, 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 for their baby girl to go to. Um, but, uh, at the time I was just, you know, getting, uh, a little older and, and I was just like, why? And at the time I was living in Ohio and I was like, why am I not in New York city yet? You know, it's no longer when I was just leaving home for college It's no longer when I young, you know, I, I could make that decision myself. Why, why am I not in New York? So, so, so literally I was just like decided to pack up things and go to New York. I, I drove from Ohio to New York. Wow. Yeah. At the time I was sleeping, uh, I was like staying with my friends on Long Island. And uh, later I was like, oh, that's like not the New York, New York I wanted. So I <laughs> <laughs> uh, decided to <laughs> like pack <laughs> it. Yeah. It's funny. We all, no matter whether you're from New York or you're visiting or, you know, no matter who you are, where you're from, everyone can can make jokes about Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, I guess before you, you live in New York, even though I have visited New York before as a tourist, but I I didn't know that Long Island is so different from New York. So yeah. when my friend, uh, you know, offered me to just stay at hers, uh, stay with her, of course, I was like, oh, awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, and it's I, beautiful. It's great. It's just, yeah, if you're looking for the New York experience, it's something else. Exactly. And I was like, this is like so far from New York. And she's like, oh, you can just drive to the city. Like, it'll only take like an hour or something. I was like, okay. Yeah, what? Like, that's, yeah, you know. know. <laughs> then, like with the traffic and everything. And I was oh, like, no, I you don't do that. No, no, you don't do that. That's crazy. Like, I, you know, I go to Lincoln Center because I live on the west side now. I live off the 7th Avenue one. And going to Lincoln Center is really easy. But like, I don't go to the 12th and second theater as often because it's on the East side and that require, you know, that's a slightly more annoying commute and what by slightly more annoying, it's not really actually, it's probably easier, but in my mind in New York, Lincoln center is right up the one, but you know, 12th and second, it doesn't make sense to do, to go to the East side just to see a movie. It, right. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> like and, and we're talking not a long we're talking eight minutes probably you know and <laughs> i won't do it <laughs> i know yeah i mean i live in east village also and i have uh -huh. turned up uh like some 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 handouts uh invitations even in the midtown east because like i was like oh i, I don't feel going that far tonight <laughs> no that's crazy what you know people don't do that no. So going to Long Island, it's, I, I'm four generations, New York city. And the way I describe it, I, you know, I talk about my dad's side, which is Bensonhurst and Bay Ridge fully. And my mom's side was all over the place, but I say Queens, Bronx, Atlantic city. I don't mention that she went to great neck North high school. I just, it's, it, it, I have to be talking to the right person to mention it. Cause I just, I just don't drop that into conversation. Her few years that she spent in great neck, because I feel it sort of like taints the narrative, you know, <laughs> I just exclude it because my, my mom is super cool. And like, 
I don't think, you know, she doesn't, like, she has no friends. For, like, we don't have any. I think we have one Long Island friend, like, from her youth, from that time of Great Neck. But the rest of her life is, like, you know, Bronx and Queens and stuff like that. But, like, yeah, my grandparents still had a house in Great Neck when I was born. They were married at that house in Great Neck. And I have, you know, I have some, not Long Island blood exactly, but there was a period in my grandparents' life on my mother's side where they became, where, where, where making money and being stable became, we could move to Long Island. You know, if you, if you read like Philip Roth books from that era, like, you know, they did that. And yeah. th- my grandfather came from like basically, you know, dust bowl style and then like got the house in Great Neck near the water and stuff. And it's just funny, like what that really represents, you know, in Jude, yeah. I'm, I'm Jewish and, uh, you know, in, in Judaism and that narrative and how I, I represent myself as like something else. But like, we, we're not really that narrative, but like they did it for like my grandfather was like this disco guy, like they were city people but like yeah they they did that too so it's a funny thing that we're all kind of touched by in some way okay so you got to new york in 2009 and in 2013 you opened your shop what happened in between there that that brought Uh, you to this yeah um so i i used it's not easy to open your own shop like it's incredible um no, it's not. Yeah, it was very, it was, yeah, it was, it was quite a process. Yeah. And um, so I, uh, I used to do corporate finance and that's kind of what I, what I did. I worked for uh, a couple companies after I moved to New York City. And then uh, it was actually in 2012, I decided to, uh, to not want to do corporate jobs anymore. And uh, it wasn't very clear to me at the time that I, definitely wanted to open a tea house. I was actually in the, on the, on the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the broad, uh, scheme. I, I was actually thinking <laughs> I should either sail around the world or, uh, <laughs> have some, do something else. And then, uh, and I was like, just basically debating the two things. And then, uh, and then, I was thinking about, I just wanted to do something that's a little bit more meaningful, I guess. And um, kind of, I, I guess I wasn't, I definitely enjoyed what I did when I was doing it. But I think after a few years, uh, it kind of uh, came to me that, oh, this is not exactly uh, my uh, vision of how I would contribute to the world. And uh, there was just like, at the time, there were just signs everywhere. I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but not like I was reconnect with a friend of mine who a childhood friend of mine so when I we totally were, believe in this stuff not that it's not magic that it's not mysticism that it's tangible it's practical that energies align and we might not understand it right away but it's real it's something oh yeah totally you know I was at a time I'll just tell you a couple of stories if you if you uh, please yeah no this is yeah <laughs> that's why I'm, that's why i'm encouraging i'm saying like no don't don't like uh second d- d- don't like temper it like no i'm totally i totally love that narrative yeah yeah totally i mean at the time i was uh, able to reconnect with a childhood friend of mine who i haven't seen since i was 15 so when i was 15 i came to the states and she went to france and we were we were writing letters for a little bit and but then 
we just kind of disconnected. Uh, this is all like before, you know, the, all the social media and everything. So, uh, and then when, uh, like somehow I just miraculously was able to find her again on Facebook and she at the time wasn't living in Montreal. So immediately I, uh, uh, drove to Montreal to, to, uh, to see her and together we took, uh, this, uh, road trip. It was, it was just a little bit less than two weeks and then we just kind of drive her around, um, uh, Canada a little bit. And, uh, we're just, of course, you know, talking about, uh, how we have been since we were 15 and, um, and the things that we're doing now. And that really made me realize that, you know, we, so she was doing supply chain and I'm like, doing corporate finance and we're like this is totally not how we thought we'll be doing when we were 15 um and we just kind of thought about like the you know what what like why are we not i guess becoming the the you know our childhood vision of ourselves and then yeah, <laughs> yeah and then also at the time i was uh volunteering for hessen guild which is kind of like a school system and one day they have a uh career fair for uh uh, the uh, elementary school students. So it was all like these kids. They're so cute. And um, I, at first, I didn't know how a career fair for 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 the little kids would be like. But basically, uh, they yeah, just invited. So funny, us. Like... <laughs> yeah, they invited all of us to the auditorium, and then kind of the, uh, 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 they have one person represent each profession and kind of just be on the stage and talk a little bit about what you do and then have the kids ask questions things like that which i thought to me as a as a youth those kinds of things are just like these are things that you should feel shitty about you know these are people that are better than you that you will never like that you will never uh meet the expectations of like that's how i saw those things and and these are insurmountable odds that you should feel bad about like (laughs) That's yeah. what I experienced I mean, was, when I was in those rooms. Oh, <laughs> oh no, it's yeah, fine. It worked out fine. You know, they didn't have somebody from uh, almost every profession. I remember there was like opera singer, and he like sang opera a little. Singer. Yeah, good. Yeah, dressers, uh, firefighters, or first doctors and artists, and it's just uh, everybody there. And I was there to represent somebody from accounting and finance. Uh, so, and the kids got really excited. Everybody has something interesting to show. I remember even when I was talking about what I do, I was like, oh my God, this is so boring for these kids. And then, um, and then when it's time that people ask questions, uh, of course, everybody wants to, to know what the other cool professions are doing. Uh, no one like, and that's just basic when I realized that no one at that age wanted to grow up in like to do accounting and finance and not that anything wrong with accounting and finance you know like i thought it was it was very stimulating for me for um for for a time but um but then again i was saying you know the signs were everywhere it was actually during a time where i was thinking questioning whether or not this is what i want to do for the rest of my life and and these kind of things happen so i was like okay i should probably uh like do something else. I know I wanted to be closer to products. And at the time there were several um, startup ideas that I was entertaining. However, none of them would uh, allow me to be uh, uh, heavily involved with products um, because those are more tech oriented ideas. And I, you know, if I join the team, I will uh, still default to, to, to my old expertise, which is accounting and finance. So I started to think 
um, what are the what are the things that I know a little bit more than you know the average people? And I was like, okay, it's food and beverage. Um, but but I know I was I, tea I, a big part of your life at that time, or has it always been? Uh, yes, I mean I grew up drinking tea. So both my grandpa and my dad are uh, big tea drinkers, uh, and one of my aunts as well. So so I grew up drinking tea, and I, I would say at the time it was I wouldn't say it's particular heavy in my life, but at the time it was you know um, it was just altogether food and beverage. That's the okay. uh, what I what I really really enjoy. Um, eating, sleeping, basically are my lifelong passion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, um, so at the time I was like, you know, I, I know I, I, I can be a cook or, um, a chef and then I, uh, I'm not sure if I can stay sober enough for, for, to do wine. Um, and also there are a lot of great people doing great things in the industry already. So I was like, mm, what else? I was like, oh, tea, tea is something that, uh, I also know, uh, more than average people. And, uh, seems like that's the field, um, uh, I can really do something. Yeah. So where did your education come in? Because you are, I mean, there, there's, uh, there's different levels, I guess, of tea shops in New York. We we're lucky for that compared to Los Angeles. And there's just, you know, there's not like, there's literally not one tea shop that is up to par. In my opinion, there's private places, there's tastings that are community oriented and there's, you know, there's Japanese um, gardens that have, that have some like story or Stearns. Uh, but you know, Chado in Los Angeles is, is I, you know, is the best there is and it's not good. And uh, New York has this wide variety and you though, are very, very education forward, very technical, very wide, giant, giant, giant menu. Um, and where did that come in? Because you could have easily opened down the street, Cha On. I hope that wasn't confusing that Cha Do is in Los Angeles. Cha On is on St. Mark's right near, uh, right, right near Tea Drunk. But, you know, Cha'an is a very simple, like, sort of prosumer kind of tea shop where it's, it's solid. It's totally cool. But, like, it's like you can order the pu'er, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you go to Tea Drunk, the pu'er menu is vast. And you're, you don't just order a pu'er. Like, like they'll give you one if, if you want, if you don't want to, if you don't want to think more. But I think the value of, of a tea drunk of, of you is that one can go there and really understand, you know, the history of red tea for, you know, as, as it pertains to China and its importance and its variation over the history. Um, why cliff tea is called cliff tea and why it tastes the way it tastes, you know, things like that. Those are things that you provide. And where did that come in for you? Cause it seems like what you're telling me, like that wasn't your passion at that moment. That wasn't like, what you were regularly articulating, but, but I see you as like really, really, you know, leader in this space now. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I would have to say, you know, growing up with tea and I kind of just have that knowledge instilled in me oh, without wow. realizing that they were not, uh, common knowledge. And I also think there is a little bit That's of Chinese culture. culture for you. Like just, it's <laughs> not American. We don't get that. 
Yes, there's definitely a little bit of cultural barrier as well. Um, I think, you know, it's like uh, if you're in China, even I would say even even if, if a person is not a tea drinker, they might have heard of certain things that's, uh, that, that's, that's part of the tea knowledge. The person is just not uh, it's not like you don't you don't have to even actively pursue those knowledge and it's just kind of like floating around I guess um, and the and that's and that is kind of part of why I uh, decided to do tea because I realized that um, it was it was not very well known here and uh, I have to say uh, I was kind of disappointed of the tea scene of New York City at the time um, because you know, one thing I love about New York City is like it, it has almost everything. So, so yeah. when I uh, move from usually, whenever I move to a new place, I do do you know seek out to see if there are any cool tea houses and things like that. Same. And yeah, <laughs> even I when I visit, I had a visiting. I, so I, I have like my maps, and like I have like worldwide. I travel a ton, and I have worldwide maps, and I have like a tea map. And yeah, and I ahead of time I ask and I do some research on where the tea houses are, and you know, one of my no matter where I go, as as long as I have time for it, I like if I'm DJing somewhere and right. I'm there for 24 hours, like before I, I will hit the tea house, like the local, you know, Nashville has like two spots that are worth going to. And like, that's what I did with my afternoon. I hit the two tea houses in Nashville, you know, they were okay, but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what I did too. And then um but usually I wasn't able to find uh like exactly uh you know what I wanted, but I I was like, oh that's that's fine, you know, it's like you know, it's just like almost like finding, finding yeah. a, you know, a wine bar in, in this uh suburban area in China is a foreign culture you haven't reached there yet. Oh yeah. Yeah, and but when I moved to New York City, my expectation was different. Uh, so I was so disappointed to to be like okay, even in New York City, uh, where it's supposed to have everything, and yet something that is so mainstream in China seems yeah. so lack of representative here. So and, what happened in twenty? Because everything is new, you know. Tea drunk tea company, Ipodo. Ipodo's been there, I guess, but twenty nine B T house. But, 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 came to New York uh, also you know in in kind of that time frame so they were yeah. established well, yeah I, yeah it's all been in the last you know decade really like what happened because it's amazing now I mean do you agree or like we have yes, a lot of options now yes totally definitely a lot of options now um and I I think you know it's just the that, that's the thing I I hope you know tea drunk help to uh, give people a greater degree of confidence in uh, doing something highly specialized and be the first of something in um, the, the the retail market because uh, when we first opened I also I have so many Chinese people uh, you know asking me or, or questioning me they're like with American understand this how how is it possible are you sure this will work uh i probably have received more uh vote of confidence from my non-chinese friends they're all like oh this is so cool um cool. what about it and things like that and then uh my my chinese friends are all like mm, are you sure this will work because you know it just seems so chinese and mm -hmm. uh want to understand things like that um, are they but, skeptical because they don't think the white people will care or are they skeptical because like do they do they grade your um execution or are they just saying we don't think the americans were will 
pay attention? I think it's 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 more of a a uh, kind of a uh, like a cookie cutter kind of statement. It was not, okay. uh, and, and that's kind of what I'm my um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, what is it called? Like a, my 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 whole point was that it's it's about execution, right? And and also my my greatest argument was at the time was like you know you always complain about the Americans not getting the Chinese culture, and yet you also say let's not help them understand chinese culture because oh my god great thread yes understand like this is not gonna gonna work we complain i mean adapt it not just to chinese culture but like or or or, you know it can be adapted so broadly but let's go super granular tea culture like i've talked about this since since my uh because I had this experience, you know, you see me, like I am not the, you know, I'm not Asian and uh, I've been to China, Japan, like I've, I, I've, I've made the contacts and like, they are skeptical, you know, I, um, but, but they, sh- you know, so, so on the one hand, I've learned now why they are and why they should be. Cause I also have friends who don't do the homework that I do and don't take the time to uh, not waste people's time. Um, and, uh, but, but, but there's this other side to it that it was like, yo, I was really excited about tea. Thankfully I didn't get deterred, but I was really excited about tea around the time that we were talking about and I wanted to learn and people didn't really give a shit about teaching me, you know, like it was kind of just like get up to a level or, you know, like that's it, like do it, you know, figure it out. And, but the, 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 the barrier to entry is for two reasons, I think, harder than it has to be. Um, and it, and it, it, it hinders the spread because, first of all, um, it's very protected. Just straight up, like, there's limited amount of quality tea and people protect the trade secrets, they protect the, the leaves, they protect the processes. There's, you know, a limited amount of how much quality there can be, therefore a limited amount of how much scale, you know, in a capitalist sense it can get. Like, for example, the, the prices that you charge, like, if there's 20 other places doing the same thing, it just won't work, you know? So someone has to, so, so like, you know, in, in, a, in a business sense, the tea world is speculative in that sense and they protect things and they, they uh, leverage things. So, so, so that's a part of it, but the just cultural aspect becomes very difficult as well, where it's just like, you're allowed to learn this. You're allowed to do this at a high level. You're not. And people just, um, it becomes very egotistical. Of tea, where it wait, say, will you say that again? I, I, the microphone, I think. Oh, I was saying, you know, like if if we were to, you know, include someone, but exclude someone, even with yeah. tea, definitely not in the sphere of tea because tea it's is so against it. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, tea is a it's a gesture of, of friendship, of uh, invitation. Okay, so you know, in China, uh, I would say a, a household, regardless of the household, actually drinks tea. Um, but every household would keep some tea just because of that. So in case they have a guest over, you always want to have the, um, uh, ability to, to, to ask the guests, uh, would you like to drink tea? Um, so, so, and then you'll have tea, even though, you know, sometimes those of the tea, like that's sitting there for 10 years because your family doesn't drink tea, but just the fact that almost all Chinese households always keep tea as, you know, just in case, in case you, you want to entertain your, your guests, you want to show this, this hospitality, this friendship. 
that's that's what tea is about. Yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, one of the things uh, that that people also overcomplicate with tea, I think it's also to, in a way, overemphasize on the cultural side of tea as well. Um, you know, to me, tea uh, is, is, is first for most interesting to me is because it's uh, uh, the, the taste elements of it. And um, it's from that that you uh, become super geeky and want to find out why it tastes like so. And then you get to know about the location of the tea, the cultivars of the tea, and then the processing of the tea. Mm -hmm. And this does not have to uh, be filtered through a cultural lens. And I think there are really two approaches that we can, we can all end on tea. And the one is that a person might be interested in Chinese culture. And then because of that, they found out about tea. But at the same time, uh, like tea can easily just be standalone. You can just have somebody so fascinated with the taste that tea offers. And after all, even within Chinese culture, I would assume that's why Chinese people start drinking it first. It was not because, oh, let's have a tea culture and then we start drinking tea. It's because some people were like, this is delicious and uh, let's keep drinking it and over years it become a culture. So, and maybe uh, if, you know, for, for people who have the ambition of uh, spreading Chinese culture, and then maybe tea is a a, a window that offers people insight to the culture, but, but it sure. doesn't have to Culture doesn't have to be a barrier, right? Um, right? It can it can come as a as a as a foundation or as a as a uh, backbone for tea, but tea can come forward. Um, yeah, so so that was the uh, the thing also. Like it's uh, you know, and one of the amazing thing about New York City is that at, when we uh, first opened, even though there you know uh, were a lot of uh, worries among my my friends about if this will work. Um, but, but that's what New York City is about. People love things they didn't know about. Um, mm. People love to explore, uh, love, love to hear that. Good. And I really think, you know, given the, 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 uh, the awareness of tea at that time, um, if this did not happen in New York City, I wasn't sure if it still worked. Um, but because it's New York yeah, City. New York can't um, do it no more. No one can. Exactly. People, it's like, people if you just, can make it there, you can make it anywhere. If you can't, if New York can't make it, no one can. <laughs> exactly. A lot of people, uh, a lot of times, you know, my um, uh, uh, you know, fellow um, entrepreneurs sometimes ask me, do you think uh, it's easier or harder to do business in New York City? Um, I always say, you know, it's, it really depends on what you do. I think if you're doing sure. something one of kind, uh, in New York City, you might uh, get uh, your the initial interest much easier, just because New Yorkers are so curious and definitely embrace diversity. But I think at the 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 key to that is is that curiosity, right? Mm. It's not like about oh, this is a Chinese shop. Let me go find out what it's about. It's more about ooh, is this a place just about tea? What is it about, right? So. Uh, people want to find out more. And, That's why Seventh and, and A is such a such a fruitful neighborhood because you, you just stumble into different things, right? You know, different storefronts, and and there's a lot of just like really choice, really expert, you know, just variety of things that like you might not know about, you might not care about yet, but like it's people who somehow pay the rent on Seventh and A 
with something super specific. And that's like, if you just think about it in that sense, like, oh, hmm, this must be pretty developed. You know, it has to be because it's here. So maybe I'll check it out. Right. Something that you were saying that, that I think is a really important distinction for people when we talk about that barrier to entry, that I push the Asian aspect of tea culture that the Chinese, the Japanese, the Taiwanese really do it the best. And there's a lot of others, but those are the best. And I think the important distinction that you touched on that's really beautiful is that when I talk about that, it's not that oh, tea, you know, you need to go study Japan and China in order to know about tea. That's not, that's not the point. It's that if you want to learn about tea, these people do it the best. So it's, it's not promoting this. It's, it's, it's as, a, as a secondary priority, it's promoting Chinese culture. But it's really just in the sense of like, yo, that's where the good information is. That's where the good tea is. If you want to read up, you know, what Marais Frere says about tea from France, you're going to drink shitty tea. I love French culture. I love France. I love going to Paris, but I've been to the, you know, the Louvre and drank tea at Marais Frere and it sucks. And like, that's the best that they could do at the Louvre. Uh, it sucks. But if you want good tea, you learn about Chinese tea. And, and I think that's, that's an important distinction that this is not us trying to, you know, push the culture. It's just like, yo, if you want to learn about tea, that's the way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, the, you know, I also, uh, you know, see a huge jump in my knowledge ever since I decided to, um, uh, uh, be in the tea business. So, um, you know, I, I was saying like, I already kind of know a good amount of tea just by, you know, being, uh, having that influence in my life. Um, however, once, um, you know, one thing I noticed was in uh, 2006, when it was the first time I went back to China, after I came to the States, I noticed that uh, the tea culture in China was on a, uh, I would say it's, they call it the renaissance of tea, right? So, so it's like really reviving. However, there was were a lot of Was this during like the big Yunnan speculative Pu'er period or, or what was in? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a time of leading up to it. It actually hasn't happened yet. It was like a year before that. But even then, uh, a lot of the other teas at the time, you know, the tea now is almost like a fashion industry. Things are yeah, kind of totally. coming. Yeah, it's like a, a painting. Years, it's like how this yeah. is worth as much as someone will pay for it. Exactly. And then, um, so I uh, realized that there are a lot of uh, uh, things about tea that that I it was not there when I um, grew up uh, drinking tea, and also, or it's actually conflict of that. And I, you know, I didn't think too much about it because I was just a consumer. I was just drinking tea, uh, so I was like, yeah. Yeah, like, but I didn't care too much. Uh, but later when I decided to do tea myself, so I was like, oh, I better get to the bottom of this. So, uh, you know, I don't, so I don't, if I'm confused, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, to, to, to articulate information to my customers. So 
uh, that's when I decided to, one is to go to these historic key regions to uh, find out firsthand what's going on. And also uh, I definitely visited uh, quite a few influential key people at a time in China. And then just to see if I can, uh, you know, get to the bottom of some of my questions. And, you know, I, I was already reading a lot about tea, but I was reading even more. Um, and so- With so tea, you can't read it. There's, you can study up to a certain point, but like, you gotta go if you wanna learn, like the questions that you, that you had. I mean, I'd love to, if, if you could contextualize for us, like what would be one of those questions and what was, how did you find the answer and what was the answer? Cause it's so specific, it's personal. It's not in books, it's not on the internet. Right, I mean, uh, it was definitely a process and it's, uh, I'll give you one example. There yeah, are I would so love many an example, yeah, right thank you. So, um, yeah, it was not just uh, one thing, but so uh, it's very specific. So, for example, um, you know, in white tea, uh, there's the, you know, the, the, the wild white tea. For example, um, if you ask, you know, why, uh, how do you tell if a, uh, if a white tea is wild? And people will tell you that if a wild white tea will have what we call uh, the horseshoe, which is at the uh, the picking that on the uh, so this is the you know the stem and then you pick the tea and it'll have a little bit of uh, uh, the woody part from the tea and it'll have a uh, you know that that little uh, part attached to it and if you apply it to the logic there uh, you realize okay but it does not make sense because um, all plants essentially have this it seems like anybody who picked the tea is a more like a person people choice. You can just always pick tea like that to, to make it have that. It, it's not inherently with only wild tea trees will have that, but then the non-wild tea trees will not have that. Um, and, and oftentimes these are the questions people don't like think about it somehow. Um, and if you go to the tea region and you realize that, okay, it is because at that time, I mean, now it's, it's a little bit different. That's why uh, uh, it's a changing game. But at the time when uh, people really uh, get obsessed with wild tea and the wild teas were, uh, uh, a lot of the wild teas are actually not owned by anyone. And so it's not people's own tea tree. And when you pick tea like that, it's actually very harmful for the tea tree. But for the wild tea picking, it was a first come first get kind of game. So it's more like in a hurry when people pick the tea, they just, completely grab the shoes and then pull it out. That's how you will resort, uh, result in that. And this is, uh, this is just for the wild teas at the time because the uh, one is not their tea tree, so they don't care about uh, the long-term well-being of the tea trees because it is damaging to the teas. And secondly, because people are in such a hurry to harvest, and that's what resulted in that. That's why there's a higher, uh, possibility that you're going to see that, which is actually a flaw, but in the wild pig teas than in the uh, non-wild teas. But these are the kind of things that you, you kind of need a little bit of investigation to find out. You would out. never be and, able to research uh, this. You have to go. And guess what? You can also, uh, it's actually, you know, this kind of saying actually is circled around a little bit in Yiwu as well. Uh, so a lot of people are saying, you know, how, what uh, Yiwu teas will always have the horseshoe which again does not make sense right uh 
yeah, and is there, are there a lot of these kind of uh, uh, things going around? And then, um, and, and other things, you know, it's kind of like I already have an idea of like uh, what the answer is, but but I just need to to even do more research on where the wrong information comes from and things like that. Um, yeah, and also like the whole thing with uh, mm -hmm. later, but that's much later, right? So with the aging, uh, and remember when we uh, uh, started, that's also when the uh, people were uh, like saying that, oh, uh, you know, we're going to HT, even though we didn't do that before. And also uh, nowadays we're going to uh, uh, scratch the cooker because that was the tea that people thought was the HT, but apparently it was Will not. Will you talk about wall. this a little more? Like th this, this, these ideas and the development of these ideas? Yes. So, um, so, so first and uh, foremost, China did not have a tradition of aging tea. Uh, and this is also the kind of things that just, uh, as we go, sometimes the misinformation uh, is, is, is kind of scary. It's almost like people just like make up history and things like that. Um, but we didn't have a um, history of aging tea. Uh, so you, but it doesn't mean that tea cannot be aged, right? And in um, 2007, 2008, when the poor bubble happened, and that's when the, uh, the, the, the public was so confused because they were told that the very dark tea, that's the aged tea, which now we know is just the shoku. By the time, there was such a large amount of shoku being produced because uh, there were there was so much speculation on the properties of aged tea and things like, which is ca what caused the poor bubble. And of course, poor price dropped um, immensely after that. And then later on, people were like, oh, no, no, it's actually not the cook poor that you age. Uh, it was the raw poor. And the raw poor was actually the traditional poor. And the cook poor was invented in the 70s. See, these are the information <laughs> for granted. But just keep in mind the time, the, the public was so confused. People literally dealing with, with information that just like completely changed. You know, you so imagine- who caused this? Was, this? was this interest from people who wanted to uh, manufacture more? Because- Shung puer, raw puer takes longer, but show puer, you can just, you can put that together in a season. W was it about that? Was that? No, actually, uh, it is not. I would say it's also uh, showed us how, uh, if we're not conscious consumers, how we can completely um, uh, lead the producers in the wrong direction. At the time, it was just okay. the blind leading the blind. Um, there might be some producers came out first about the uh, the 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 age of the tea, and then uh, you also have the shoku, and people are so unfamiliar with poor because remember poor had long been a, a mass-produced exportation tea in the Ming and Qing dynasty, and there's this halt of the tea activity. So Chinese people never drank it domestically. Chinese people, even though it was produced in China, but Chinese consumers did not know about this tea. Uh, most of them, right? So. Uh, so, 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 so it was completely new, and it was also at the time where, you know, the economics rise in China, people, it's considered almost like consumers have all this money, they want to spend on things that's like new, interesting, and all this stuff. So, so somehow people piece the two information together, it's like, okay, mm. is it aged tea, and you have this really dark tea, and it must be the same thing. Um, so, so, so that's kind of how it just missing from it, and I still keep seeing this kind of uh, like randomly putting one plus one together 
um, like forcing two ideas together and, and come to a conclusion uh, circling around. This was not, uh, this is definitely not approach of uh, the right approach to, to, to get authentic information about tea. You know, there's so much assumptions about tea, um, but there are certain assumptions you can make about tea, but it's just it's very important to kind of know what's already known so people don't just come up with uh, whatever they think is the logical idea, because it might be important information missing in the uh, in the making. And then the, uh, but even then with the, the, the raw pour, and then later people also say, okay, it's not the age of the tea that matters the most, it's the age of the tea trees. And you can see that it was the trend in the United States too, even though it usually lacks for two to five years. Uh, it's almost like the, uh, <laughs> the, the raw information somehow uh, did not travel to the U.S. as fast, but eventually gets here. And that's the, the scary part. So you also see in the States, too, the people, when people first get to know Pu'er, people first start drinking the, the Shoku, right? And then later, people drink the raw Pu'er, and they were told these teas are really old. But keep in mind, we don't have an aging tradition, so where do these old tea come from? Oh. And then people are like, oh, it's more about the Gushu, the it's, it's really about concepts being overplayed and people uh, lost what, 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 is the, what is the actual idea behind these concepts, right? So, um, and you keep in mind in China, we have a uh, 1500 year tea culture. So it's hard to imagine uh, these concepts of tea keeps changing. There are actually a lot of timeless ideas about tea that never, uh, uh, never change. So, or even the if the the, um, the 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 details of the ideas have changed, but the framework of the idea never changed. So, and that is basically the location varietal and processing. It's always about those. So, so I would say, if anything, uh, definitely watch out for for ideas that keep changing. And it's not about people. It's a good way to look at know, it. Yeah. Only getting access to idea. It was just that idea was not sustainable in the first place, or it was not a, uh, it was not an authentic idea in the first place. That's a good way to look at it. Wow. So where you've brought this knowledge, you know, I, I, I really love some of the initiatives that you've created sort of as an entrepreneur, where you've gone into the Met Museum, you have a TED Talk that was really well distributed, things like that. What, what, what do yeah, you see as your role here? Video. Sorry? Oh, it was a pet ed video, not the TED talk. Yeah. Oh, oh the, the video. I, I'm sorry. I, I call it the same thing. But yes, I, no, it's a video. It's yep. illustrated. It's, and, and it has a, um, a companion guide that you can, you can read with tons more information. And it's the history of tea up, up until today. And, and it's, it's concise. You can get it in a quick sitting and... Um, yeah, and I love how you you did the I don't know what you call it, but you know the pop up I guess at the Met. Is is it is it a pop up? Yes. Is that what? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a pop -up. Yeah. It was a three month pop. -up. Like I love this. So I see my you know my role in the in the tea world as you know I don't want to be the foremost expert. I don't want to be the one opening up the the biggest tea shop. I don't want to be the brand. I don't want to be. I just I want to be it. I want to connect. I want to make connections for people. And I really like seeing you do things like that. 
And, you know, that's what I see this show to be someone who like, you know, my thesis is that the people who like the films that I like, the people who like the music that I like, you know, things like this, like they, they would like tea and it goes in cycle on other aspects and media as well. So yeah. Well, when did you start thinking in that way of, of sort of the crossover it's crossover marketing, you know, what, what, in, in some ways, what you're doing, where you bring it to new contexts and you attract new audiences and you deliver the same experience to your existing audience, but pair it with something else. So it's like, oh, the people who walk around the museum, you met, met the Metropolitan Museum of Art, maybe want to sit down for 15 minutes and have a cup of tea, you know? Yeah. Wh- wh- where did you start thinking about that and what are your ambitions with it? Yes, well, a lot of those are actually business opportunities that just kind of, uh, uh, you know, fell up under our laps, which we're very fortunate about. Um, I would say, yes, tea and tea education is uh, both uh, the core of what Tea Drunk is about. You know, a lot of, um, if we uh, have to only use one sentence to describe what Tea Drunk do, is always we're a destination for exceptional tea and tea knowledge. So, um, yeah, so in that, that's that's basically our promise to to, to come to tea drunk is that we want to provide people exceptional tea and also exceptional tea knowledge, um, and it's been a it's been a very interesting uh, learning experience for me too about how to disperse information to the audience. And I'll say we're still continuously learning, right? Um, like because to fully appreciate tea. Uh, it can be so simple if a person already so uh, inclined liking tea, liking the taste of it. However, it can also be very difficult um, if you're only giving uh, like a five minute opportunity. It's very difficult to articulate uh, why tea is so awesome. So, um, and also in this in this uh, you know world now, people you know are like we're basically competing for people's attention. And I realized, you know, we really need to kind of uh, spoon feed people some of the information. So uh, Owl is like pet ed. And I, I love that opportunity so much because it also allowed me to uh, to put the, the history of tea in a really concise fashion. Um, so interesting, you know, like sometimes when I talk about the history of tea in classes, uh, I cannot get it down to that concise mm-hmm. a format anymore. So I really love that because it's, it's like, um, it's almost like what are the, the, the most essential things, essential things about the history of the tea that you can talk about in that short time frame, uh, which I realized I cannot do that again. Right. So, 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 so that was, yeah, yes, exactly. And then, (laughs) uh, it it helped to, to get so much, uh, so many people, uh, attention to, to, to tea. So that's amazing. And then uh, the Met opportunity was also great, you know, because the, the traffic, the Met is just, you know, it's just amazing. You know, we, we, we planned so much and then yet very quickly, you know, we're basically at our capacity for uh, serving the customers. There's just so many people. And so, and the, the setup, setup is also, you know, very much um, uh, kind of uh, vibe with <laughs> what, what tea drunk is. We're, we're right outside of the, the, the Asian exhibits. And um, we also have done a lot of... Uh, it was a great setup. It was on the balcony also with it, like three-story windows next on one side and balcony on the other yes. overlooking art and right down the, you know, the epic stairwell. It was a very cool setup. I loved it. 
Yes, yeah, it was it was amazing. And then um, you know, we we also do uh some corporate trainings. Um the corporate training can be as, as serious as a serious training to uh to uh, so basically we design a curriculum and it serves a very specific uh training okay. goals corporate actual uh, training program to raise cultural awareness or in general it's just you know something uh, I just think the tea practice the way that meditation is helpful for people you know like the way that yes, they might teach yoga and meditation like tea yes exactly and also you know tea is also a way for us to 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 be connected to a lot of the philosophical questions about taste. So so in that sense, you know, if uh, a corporation is merely just trying to find ways to to cultivate uh, their employees in general, so not necessarily even about meditation or something, but just kind of set them free onto uh, some kind of exploration of taste. But you know, with with the defined path of tea, things like that. That's also a great idea. And also, we have done those one-off, like kind of employee entertainment things. You know, like fun things for employee to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are all great opportunities for us to 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 spread the knowledge of tea. And over and over, you know, what we hear, and even the tea drunk is that, oh, I didn't know there's so much about tea, and that's exactly the point. Yeah. I think oftentimes people uh, didn't show interest in tea because they they didn't know tea is so interesting. We they haven't got a pretty to to know about that yet, right? Uh, and 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 now it goes back to you know what do we do as tea lovers? You know we can we can you know. Uh, influence the people around us as much as we can and tell them about tea but then that goes to well then do you just grab somebody and then sit them down for an hour and then talk to them to death about tea you know that wouldn't be fair and also you might hire the person so that comes to uh, almost like this art of dispersing information and that's one thing you know sure. i have trying to learn a lot about is like how do we form that quick connection uh without exhausting people and um, I mean, involving, like connecting people through taste, that's just so, uh, so important and so easy. You know, like yeah. there, it's almost like, you know, if you have ever dined with somebody that immediately is, a, is like a bonding uh, exercise, right? And if you have drank with somebody, shared tea with somebody, the same thing. Um, so, so, so yeah, that's why I, I emphasize so much on the, on the taste of the tea because that a person does not need uh like prerequisite knowledge to know everybody knows what they what they taste and then uh from that point on if the person is interested if the person like you did realize oh this is different from the teeth i have tasted before and why and and i just open up the window that's that's what we want to get more people to try it out yeah i think the corporate training stuff is really great the you know, just go to an office and provide a tasting and a little bit of the talk, just give that gateway, you know, and then people can yes. for themselves, they know where to go. And that's really, really important. What do you see right now going on? And, you know, does, has, we're in, we're in a pandemic and we're in the middle of, you know, New York City's most active activism, protest, riots, whatever you want to call it you know, since the really the most, most, most activity on the streets of New York city since 1980, probably. Um, how do you see that affecting your neighborhood, your business, your, uh, 
emotional state and the emotional connection with your customers considering you know i brought up meditation and yoga i think tea is right there and how do you see mental health you know of the city collectively right now yeah i mean i feel like the yeah the 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 double hit you know the pandemic and then uh the current situation that's definitely very uh you know disparating of the uh of the crowd new york city and um, I have to say, more and more I realize it's the people that makes this city. Um, I would say for the, you know, the, the two weekends um, uh, prior to, uh, you know, the chaotic we're seeing, right, the chaos we're seeing right now, uh, there were a lot of people on the street, uh, even before the city you know the city is not open but uh people just wanted to be out uh even though at the same time i i I worry seeing so many people out on the streets um but every weekend the weather is nice it's almost like a block party people uh were drinking on the street playing music uh, making out whatever you know the the, all the street workers do and you know as, as i watch it through the window and at the same time, I'm worried about the people, you know, all the people, you know, on the street. But at the same time, I was like, wow, like, you know, just seeing all these people doing bizarre things, that's kind of what makes me so happy. And, and you know, if we're, you know, we, we keep saying we're, we're, you know, pack animals, we need our community. Uh, and, and in New York City, it is really just these people that makes it such a great city. And, um, now I've seen more and more people start to move out of the city. I don't know if it's temporarily or permanently. Um, and of course, for us, for all business across uh, the world, around the world, I think are all seeking ways to taking things virtually. And I think they're really, you know, the long-term question really is, you know, given the modern society that we're already so uh, kind of out of touch with community and this kind of, uh, face-to-face human connection yeah. um, and now with us taking even more and more the workspace the experiences to the virtual world uh, what is the long-term impact to to humanity and uh, secondly in the more um, immediate concern is what does it mean for how businesses will operate um, right how do you uh, continue your uh your model of your business so for 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 example if you're a bar your model of the business really the 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 most basic the plain way is to 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 have this you know providing a space where people come and you know and 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 enjoy and the physical presence of your customer is so important right for for restaurants and bars and even tea houses like us so how are we gonna are we gonna um uh shift our our model now, like given that the, the the very definition of the business is about people's physical presence, and the um, of course you know the we're also seeking out ways to bring a lot of the um, uh, educational stuff, the uh, tastings uh, to the virtual space. Um, but then it also goes down to you know is taste a shared experience, right? Um, so if taste is not a shared experience, then so basically means that this is uh, you know a subjective experience of each of our uh, each of us own, and 
then even if we sit right next to each other, what I taste might not have anything to do with what you taste at all. Um, so does it make a difference if we taste something at home and then, you know, seeing somebody else on the screen about the tea, the temperature and all that. So, so it really, uh, like there are some kind of uh, solutions now, but I wouldn't say there, I shouldn't say solutions, more like a patch ups for, for, for what we're missing uh, due to the, 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 the lack of uh, confidence that we have to, to you know, uh, like see each other face to face right now. However, um, how much do we actually, uh, like how, how much can this fulfill our original desire of the experience of, you know, get together, drink tea together, share tea experience together and things like that. So I think that there are definitely many different layers to, uh, to, to, to what we're facing. And I hear, you know, some people say things will never go back to the to normal. Um, and it's not just because of uh, whether or not we come up with solution to our existing problem, but it also has to do that now we realize what we can do on the virtual space. Are we still going to go back to uh, more face-to-face -face, um, Right, we're doing this right now. Do we do another one? in six months, you know, at your shop, or do we just decide that eh, this is good enough, you know? Right, because I mean, you know, the, we always say at the convenience of your home, because home is convenient, right? Mm. And and sometimes we, and we all need to, to have that kind of convenience to be at home and things like that. Um, and and the how much do society evolve that we maybe one day forget how much joy we actually have with face-to-face, uh, Right, or even you know, with the sense of community, or just the simple joy of me, even watching other people having fun while not participating in it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. So I mean, I, I produce events, I DJ, I, I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So, what would right. you say, given you know, given this period, either people alone, either people you know, in small gatherings? It's uh, it's June third today as we're talking seasonally. What, what are you drinking these days? And what, what do you think that for the energy in the air right now and the season, what do you think people should be thinking about drinking? Well, today is so humid in your city. Uh, I have Plenty to say- Plenty of here too. I went for a morning, a, a super early morning swim and it was, it was gray. It was completely gray. So my friend who was going to join me didn't want to join me. And then, and then I thought about it. I was like, oh, it's really gray and cloudy. Maybe I shouldn't swim. And then I felt the air and it was just moist and, and dense. And I was like, no. And it was an amazing yeah. swim because there's no wind. It's completely stale today. And it was just flat. It was like I was swimming in a pool. It was amazing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Wait, you, you cut out. internet is back on and yeah we were talking about like what teas for the energy in the air right now with the world with the pandemic with the protests with the isolation with the giant gatherings and just straight up it's june 3rd with the season like what should people be drinking right now what do you think right um well normally i'm having japanese shinsha <laughs> also yeah um usually for the warmer months um uh, Chinese, you know, we would drink some green yellow teas. So it's more of a 
uh, cooling effect. And I have to say when it's really humid outside like today, uh, I do have a, a very strong urge to drink cooler. Uh, I don't know why, but when it's humid, I actually sweat a lot. And I cooler always feel me is like something that's just like quench my thirst. So when I feel dehydrated, um, it's also uh, for me the handover tea as well. Um, but really, it is whatever that you know tickles your taste bud. Because uh, also keep in mind, in China, uh, you know, only until recently, the people uh, all over China have access to all these different kinds of teas. Tea used to be very regional. So if you, you know, are born into a certain city or certain region, uh, you know, that that's kind of one tea that you well, all yeah, collect. Like you're in East, first. it's like a Uyi. And if you're in the center, it's a Yunnan and then you're drinking dark stuff. Yeah. Different, right? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's it's not so 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 and then uh so so it's not like Chinese people would just like oh in this season we drink this and that season we drink that um so so all tea can uh you that's know, whatever such a cool thing just to note tea. that there's like local region like people this is just this is to you and me this is like nothing you know but like there are local regions where different teas come from and if you live in that region for example like you get the best oolong in the world regularly but you would never get green never unless it's from you know unless you would get it imported from somewhere but like you you just regularly outside your door is this incredible oolong but green tea black tea red tea yellow tea like not a thing and then maybe there's another area where there's a yellow tea and you are the special place for that or black tea you know that's a really cool way to think about tea and learn about geography and culture and people oh yeah totally i mean the um and, and this is just like food too right different regions always uh you know have their their personal preference of the palate i think it's definitely uh it was basically the result of the active conversation that we have with nature and and we have figured out our preference depends on the, the climate that you know, for generations we're living and things like that and um and in, ironically in china actually in bigger cities where you're far far away from a tea region that you would have exposure to a variety of teas just because uh, you know, you're, you're in the big consumer base in a, uh, all the, you know, tea region from all over China was trying to do business in these big cities. And that's how you get access to all the big, all the teas. But if you're closer to a particular tea region, it's actually very regional. You get to know one tea, but in much more depth. Um, and, and just, it's very funny too. Like sometimes when I take, um, you know, very high grade white tea to, let's say a yellow tea region where people, uh, adopt a very uh, unique technique called pulling the big fire. Uh, it's a process of flash roasting the tea and it really helps to consolidate all the taste together. Um, as soon as I show people the tea, they smell it, they're like, oh, this tea did not even get pulled big fire. What kind of tea is this? You know, so, so it's, that's why in order to understand different tea, we cannot generalize. You know, we, uh, it's just like understanding people. You can't generalize and you have to uh, looking for things that matters for that particular tea because the tea will grow in from different, um, to our different conditions and there are different techniques involved in 
uh, bring out a certain uh, flavor profile for the tea. So, so only for that particular tea that we can then talk about, okay, what are some of the desired uh, uh, taste that we want to have, you know, and what could cause this particular taste and that particular taste and things like that. Um, yeah, or like, you know, if you take a, a cup of tea to a white tea area, people look at it like, oh my God, this tea is burnt. Why, why is this tea burnt? Right? Oh, so, yeah. so it's like all these kind of things that, uh, that we will Rather have. Rather than categorization, it's characterization. Yeah. Right. And then everybody always have a different preference in the taste. And that's what I think uh, that's why all the teas are out there for us to experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I, you know, I even have my own family members where they're so used to one particular tea and they always say, oh, this is my favorite tea. I don't want the other tea. I was like, you haven't had all the other tea. How can you say this is your favorite? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you haven't had all of them. Um, and then, you know, some of them after, you know, I introduced them to a wide range of tea, they did have ch changed their preference. You know, I even have family member who used to not burn tea because they feel like uh, tea just, you know, hurts their stomach and this and that. And then they fall in love with the cliff tea because somehow it, it makes them feel really good. And the, the particular mm -hmm. sensation they describe is not some sensation I experience, even though I also love cliff tea for different reasons. So I think, you know, in this time and age, if you are looking for tea as an escape, I would say definitely, if, if there's any time to treat yourself, this is now the time, right? Uh, it's like my mom was just yesterday. Tea club, you can just subscribe. The tea club is right. great. And she's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, like uh, we're spending this much money on like this fruit and that. I was like, you know, just enjoy the moment because, you know, if, if, if anything, now this is the time that you, you want to uh, treat yourself really well, uh, treat your taste bud really well, whatever that makes you uh, still have some kind of happiness or joy in uh, this time and age, then do that thing. So, so, so if you enjoy cleft tea and don't listen to somebody who tell you to drink a green tea. Um, yeah. And also I do, but, but exploring is fun, right? If your joy is in exploring all different kinds of teas then do that as well. Um, I also want to, uh, encourage everybody to give a cold brew tea a try as well. You know, it have certainly helped me to, uh, uh, explore teas that I thought I know really well already because the different brewing method extracts uh, different compounds in the tea or even if it's the same compounds in the tea that extracts. Uh, however, it, it shifts the ratio. And then when that ratio change, it changes the whole performance of the flavor profile. So, so, so these are the kind of things that you can, you can uh, play around with and then see how, how different levels of joy it brings you, right? So if it's the uh, the geekiness about the tea that, that um, you know, makes you so happy, then go down that route. You know, if it's just the warmth of the tea, go down that route. If it's just purely, you know, the sensory uh, uh, pleasure that you enjoy from the tea, you love that, uh, you know, savory note, the sweet note, the mummy note, the long aftertaste, and, you know, that comeback sweetness and all that. If that's what you love, then just spend time, uh, you know, enjoying that. Love it. Well, I'm going to go, I'm having my green tea right now, but I'm going to move on to a puer after this for my, for my like lunch <laughs> because, uh, yeah, that's not a really good idea. Yeah. That's definitely what I'm kind of craving, craving at this exact moment. Yeah. yeah. It definitely changes, you know, when the sun comes out, it like completely changes. Yeah. The sun's coming out. I'm going to go young gushu for the rest of the day. I have one of those okay. here. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just have to trust your own palate, right? Like your body right. knows what you want. If if we have such a diverse desire for food, no, I mean no one can eat the same food every day. Right? Maybe, but I haven't encountered <laughs> any any no. unfortunate <laughs> people like that. Boring. Right? Not the way I want to <laughs> exactly. live. Exactly. So yeah. So so it's also not fair to just you know have to commit to one tea every single day for the rest of your life. Shinan. This is awesome. I love hearing all of your stories a lot that I didn't know. And it's a, it's an, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to spread it to other people. I am so happy you are holding it down on 7th Street and Avenue A, East Village, New York City. Most important place in the world. It really is. Like, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's like a broad statement, but I don't know. Like East Village, New York City. Most important place in the world period yeah yes so yeah, totally. you're well, there you so for having me yeah thank a, you yeah i can't wait to do it again in person with actual tea shared because that's what it's all about and i'm so happy you're doing what you're doing and stay safe and and sane in this ridiculous time I think we had another internet outage, but I'll wrap it up myself anyway. Shunan, thank you so much. And I will, I will say thank you again offline. <laughs> and everyone, enjoy the rest of your, your days.